why are we talking about Jason Tindall and Jurgen Klopp in the same fucking sentence? This is like this is like the time. This is like the time Floyd Mayweather was fighting Conor McGregor. They shouldn't be in the same fucking ring together. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Well, we're three games into the Premier League season, and that's now Leon Bailey, Luca Dean, and Matt Cash in three games that I have written off. <laughs> and that's now Leon Bailey, Luca Dean, and Matt Cash, who have probably been the standout, most significant players in each of these three games. The players who have had the best highlights of this season, and game by game, and it's only been three fucking games. I've called each of them out, and now maybe we should just decide who we're calling out this week. (laughs) Well, I'm sure it'll end up being Robin Olsen, but I can't imagine. I just can't see it, Conan, that he's going to turn it around. Yeah, well, do you know what? We're back into seventh place, back where we probably have gotten ourselves a bit comfortable. Now, we're one point off the top two. Suddenly, this whole thing has turned around. We're a long way from the misery of the first game of the season, even though it seems like I'm going to mention that every single podcast. So maybe (laughs) maybe we actually will move away from that. And there's only one place to start. It's all the fucking goals that we're scoring. It's all the goals we're banging in. That's now 12 goals in one week. 12 goals in three games. It's been a really good week, you have to say. And, I mean, some of the football that these boys are playing it's incredible like this first goal sort of sums up John McGinn this boy is going on to another level I feel like we, we've probably talked about John McGinn going through not rebirths but every manager it seemed at one point or another we're always getting another level out of him and I feel like you know Emery might be getting the highest ceiling he might be just taking John McGinn's ceiling and lifting that bad boy up because He's such a good player, and the way he's turning, and you know, I know we make fun about his arse and things like that, but it's actually really good because now what he's doing is he's turning in different directions that defenders aren't expecting him to, and he's lifting the ball like a little pitching wage over the top for Ollie Watkins to run onto and take a shit touch and commit the keeper. <laughs> <laughs> and then was it a good ball across or was he trying to score? I don't know, but Matt Cash didn't care. He followed that in and it was brilliant the way he followed it in and he got it flush and he went straight, not even straight off the post. He got his studs off the post to protect himself. That's a boy who's well aware of how to get into the back post. Absolutely. I, I'm just I'm just delighted that the boys could give our ma the birthday present she was hoping for all weekend. A bit of, a bit of respite from us roaring cunt at the laptop monitor. And there, there was a dodgy 16 minutes there. When I'm sure she was worried about her favorite son and the other one. We <laughs> wanted to just combust in her living room and ruin her birthday weekend and her so far. But Una and the boys dug in and we dug into some cake and another year passes about her getting older and another fucking game passes apparently where everything I've learned about Aston Villa over the last 10 years just seems to be irrelevant. I mean, where are the collapses? Where is the drudgery? And you're talking about Una Emery. It, getting more out of John McGinn, left in his ceiling. He's carrying out a complete fucking renovation. There's a double height ceiling in there now. He's a completely <laughs> different player. He's nowhere near the level he was previous to this. He's absolutely ridiculous. And it's an absolutely lovely little lick of the ball over the top. And yeah, terrible touch from Watkins. And Tra- Trafford goes out of his way to prove that 
two wrongs do make a right by making a terrible decision to come rushing off his line and just hand the power back to Ollie Watkins. I, mean, I, I actually think Trafford's forgotten how quick Ollie Watkins is. And sometimes I fall into that trap as yeah. well. Or maybe Trafford just didn't get out of the traps quickly enough himself. But Ollie Watkins does brilliantly when he gets there. It's definitely a shot and it's definitely going wide. But at least this time he's beat the keeper from three yards out. We'll come back to those other ones. Yeah. It's two games in a row now, or two league games in a row, though, that we have shown that if you take a bad touch, it can pay off. <laughs> That's our two strikers, John Duran and Ollie Watkins, taking a heavy touch, committing a goalkeeper, and then doing the rest after that. The second goal, I mean, this was... Don't sleep on this goal. Go back and watch the passages of play and the build-up to this goal. It was enjoyable as it was, avoid even leading to a chance. Boys just... Boys just strutting around, taking touches, turning, like, like just having the Burnley players on strings, everybody confident, everybody banging the ball forward, taking a touch of a man up their hole. Ah, like it, it, recycling it when they were under a bit too much pressure, shifting the ball quickly to the other side of the pitch. I used to watch Villa games, and the thing that really frustrated me was that I felt like I had been watching too many good teams play <laughs> outside of Villa matches. I'd been watching all the top teams, I'd been watching Champions League football, and I could see how much more quickly the best players could do things. They could <laughs> they, they, they would switch to play without having to make the three passes that Villa of old would have to make to switch the same play and let the other team shuffle across. But but now they're doing everything quick and with purpose. And Jesus, this goal. Like, this goal in itself had two two nominations for the Paul Merson. That was just filthy award. And it's it's the Abbey's Cruyff turn. It's a Cruyff turn that nutmegs somebody. Like, this boy, the Abbey, could be one of the best players in the world. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I'm not even joking. He could be better than John McGinn. He's, he's fucking... He's unbelievable. He can do everything. And he, he can do a cross turn through somebody's legs and then fucking drive. Drive forward. And then when they eventually... I, I think beforehand it came to Kamara and he, he might have started this Diaby move, but Kamara does a little pirouette drag back into some into a tackle as well and comes around the corner and plays that ball forward. But once Diaby gets going... Once he gets going, it it's just party time. He gives it the cash. It's it's actually I think it's Watkins who comes he comes short for it and it takes a lovely touch of his studs and then he sets it to cash who whose first touch is so positive it comes inside, but he's coming inside because he knows Diaby's going outside. It's just it's amazing football. Cash is passed to Diaby, Diaby's passed back to lift it up over the tackle. Like mad cash, mad cash off his laces for his second goal. Like what is happening out there? Oh, absolute quality is exactly what's happening out there. I mean, cash just drops the ball off more seamlessly than a stoner and a duck down duvet reading an instruction. The accountant drops off the sleep and the drive <laughs> and the quality from the Abbey. He just exploded into the box and then a delicate little lift pullback after that. After that explosion of pace to have the wherewithal to do that. It was Leon Bailey-esque. And then, <laughs> and then the, the drive and the the quality, I suppose, from Cash as well to get into the box and lace it, as you very kindly describe it. I mean, it's amazing, though, to see him complete the run. Like, to play that ball off like that, it would be so easy just to stand back and admire it and hope that the Abbey does something from it. But then get himself into the box and yeah, it's the finish does really well to find itself into the net. 
<laughs> well, I was going to go one better and say I'm going to stop calling them agricultural cash and just call them cultured cash from now on. <laughs> I mean, this, this boy can play ball. This boy's got a culture right foot on him. But, um, like, you know, as good as that first half was, and it was very good. And once again, you and I Emery playing against a team that are way weaker than them, just doing it so easily. It seems Villa seemed like they could score three or four. They didn't. It didn't seem like they had. It didn't seem like it was going to be a problem. And all I was saying at halftime after a really enjoyable, relaxing first half was just like, all we need to do is get the next goal and that's it. You know, and maybe not even that. Maybe just don't concede in the first five minutes. And it only took two or three minutes. And there it was. There it was. And you, like, you know that, like, well, you're watching the game with me, so you know well, but like, you know... <laughs> You know how that stuff gets into the pit of my stomach. I, I, I watched the Leicester match. I watched the Leicester match of 2015-16 season when Aston Villa were 2-0 up and I saw the home team getting a goal out of nothing and coming back and winning 3-2 and going on to win the league and Villa getting relegated. They were going to win the league the, that same season. Yeah, that same season. This could have been Burnley's turning point. But... um. <laughs> But this one was just, I don't want to say a calamity of errors, but just not dealing with a bit of pressure. I think Carlos, Diego Carlos had a, he was facing his goals and he just tried to flick header back. It wasn't that bad, but when you put it, when you put it into the context of a goal, then it's just, there's a few moments there where somebody just fucking cleared his ball and like we can't get away from Pau Torres being, being at fault here, really. He's just, he's just nudged out of the way. Foster spins right, round him and he just hits it off. He hits it off Robin Olsen's right hand, and it's a goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carlos's header wasn't the best I've ever seen. I mean, he, he could he could definitely have used his head to use his head more effectively. He's essentially <laughs> just kept the ball alive for Burnley, if anything. But what is Torres playing at? I mean, he's defended that like he's on the halfway line, and we're five 0 up against Lee Johnson's Hibernian. But he was he was he was. <laughs> never going to get there and then he was so weak when he tried to get there i mean a center forward is in your box with their back to goal control that situation and you could see it happening as well we're just all there trying to enjoy our ma's birthday and pao torres comes walking towards the candles on the cake with a fucking fan he's doused in petrol i know how to put these out. No, you don't stand in the box and stand your man up foster's not gonna fucking pirouette past you unless you Fucking essentially nudge him around by going to the other side. <laughs> and we don't even have we don't even have Lee Johnson's Hibernian to look forward to this midweek now. That, that <laughs> <be it. laughs> they decided enough was enough. Get this geezer out of here. But we'll talk a bit more about him, even though he's not going to be the manager for the return fixture on Thursday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anyway, it was fine. It, it was grand. Like I, I did feel like there was a few moments after that. Do you remember I pointed out to Douglas Louise just... Again, this doesn't seem like a big thing though when the game's over and you won comfortably enough in the end, but Villa finally got their foot in the ball and it felt like they didn't really have it. They didn't for the first eight, nine minutes of that of that second half. And remember, they've conceded a goal, Crowder up, and, and they finally get their, their foot on it. So it's Douglas Louise's feet, so it's like, right, great, let's just hold this ball now for a few minutes. And, and he's just trying to lift one over the top for Watkins when, when Burnley have everybody back and we just gave the ball away and suddenly we're defending... Like we're defending very heroly again at, uh, in our own box, and it's like we should still have the ball. This is really <laughs> annoying, but it was fine. We eventually got the third goal. And <laughs> Why is that so upset about it? Relax, Liam. It was grand. We got, we got a stat. Was it? It was the Everton match. Remember that we we talked about it last week. The stat that flashed up. Under John McGinn's player of the match, it said number of forward passes under pressure. <laughs> I mean, we said that was just a stat that summed up John McGinn, and here we are again. And like I had mentioned when I was just leaping praise on him earlier on, heaping praise, he, it, John McGinn should really be turning out the other way. He should be turning his right shoulder towards the sideline and spinning that way. That, that's but everything we know about John McGinn's arse and he's turning and any footballer really, like that, that's that's where he should be spinning with his ball, but it comes in the other way and it's just so deceiving. And so by coming into the pitch, it's opened the whole thing up, even though he's left footed and he's still, like, I can't believe he was able to play an in-step pass of his left foot, keep it away from the defender, still keep it ahead of Luke Adine. Like That really has to be a right-footer pass, the way the, the angle that had been planned out there. But John McGinn just did it. He just saw the saw the straight line and said, I, I can pass that ball there, that's fine. And he did that. And Luke Adine pulls it back. And Diaby, what a finish this is. This is unbelievable stuff. Just strokes it, passes it into the side net. Absolutely incredible, and yeah, you're right. John McGinn's arse open that opens everything up, and you never really know what you're going to get from it. To be honest, it's either a load of shite or the best night of your life. And tonight, <laughs> tonight we all had a party. But the best, the best thing about this is he's being pulled to the ground that he's pulling them apart as well. It's like I'd be, I'd be worried more about the ball than John McGinn's shirt, pal. What are you playing? <laughs> and then look, Coutinho just gets his obligatory assist, and what a fucking tasty funny that is. Just to control. To just the knowledge, the understanding that sometimes all you have to do is look at where you're going to hit the ball, hit the ball there, and there's nothing the keeper can yeah. do about it. It's so easy in that situation to panic. And every time you don't, every time you do something like the Abbey does, which isn't that often for someone like me, you feel great. And you also simultaneously feel like a fucking idiot because you just think, why don't I do that every time no. I've got the ball to Every time. Pass? Just just do that all the time. 
this is what I'm saying. He could be the best player in the world. Just if he, you can't argue that if he did that every game, he would be the best player. <laughs> so let's see how it goes. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Uh, like this is very much a match of the day at the end of a segment question. But hint, hint of an offside for Ollie Watkins. <laughs> No, not for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought he was definitely offside. Maybe the rule has changed over the summer and got drowned out by Gary Neville's desperation to point out the fact that players don't like the fact that they're playing the full 90 minutes now with the out of time. Because that's all they seem to be talking about. Maybe they've snuck on a rule where it says it's okay to jump over the ball directly in front of the goalkeeper. Uh, I, don't know. I, I do think... <laughs> <laughs> like so think think about the one that was it John McGinn got taken? No, it was Ross Barkley got taken off when he roofed it into the top corner. Yeah, no, it was John, John McGinn, McGinn roofed one into the top yeah. corner, and Ross Barkley kind of ambled past in the general direction of the ball. John McGinn had shot from the edge of the box. Ross Barkley was on the penalty spot, and it was rolled out for offside. This is a lot, mm. a lot clear. That was way too personal. They still won one three nil that game, but. Yeah, I, I do think, not, not not that we need to apply a common sense approach to the rules of football, but there should be an element of, oh, we all know the keeper's not going to say Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, sure, we're both in agreement. Anyway, let's move on. We've got WhatsApp points to go to. Only one place to start, and I know you were thinking the same thing, but this is the first WhatsApp point, and it did scare me, the thought of it. Imagine Sean Dice was manager. Like they, Burnley would win, <laughs> they would win this match. They, they, the two one, they're getting back into that match. Ashley Barnes, Chris Wood, do not tell me that they are not getting back into that match and beating Villa. <laughs> Don't fucking drag me into this. <laughs> I know you were thinking the same thing. I at no point was I thinking, geez, the last thing we need now is Ashley Westwood standing in the centre circle, dunking balls aimlessly in the general direction of Ashley Barnes. That would put us really under pressure. How could we possibly cope with that? How could fucking Dougie Louise possibly get anywhere near Ashley Westwood before he floats one? Floats one! <laughs> up towards Diego Carlos, the fucking man mountain at the back. Do you want to know what the worst thing about this is? <laughs> is I'm actually being a bit serious. <laughs> I'm thankful that we had company ball today. and I'm, I'm thankful that we had... Lyle Foster and, and Dooney up top and, and not not Ashley Barnes, not Chris Wood, not just being peppered with long balls, not not the crowd getting what they thought they didn't want. They thought they wanted better, but this is what they really wanted. They wanted, they wanted the big team being put under pressure. They wanted to see what they were made of. They wanted to see how much they liked it up them. Just just challenge them, put that ball in there and see what they're made of. See see what sort of cojones they have. And they didn't even they didn't even test that out really. They all, one time they did, they got a goal and they didn't try it again, really. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose Ashley or Ashley Westwood isn't too far removed from Josh Cullen. But the, like Villa's goal came like as much quality as there was in the goal. It did come against the run of play. I think company ball was actually working. Those sixteen minutes were hairy kind of and I know we can all sit here with the free one smile on our face, but don't you don't you try to lie to me? I was sitting next to you during those 16 minutes and we were under a fair bit of pressure despite the fact that Barnes wasn't playing up top. <laughs> well, thankfully, Jay Rodriguez was playing up top for, for a big, important part of that match as well. But we'll come back to that. Second WhatsApp wins. Oh, great. Matt Cash is our top scorer. <laughs> Very happy for Matt Cash. But... Sorry, 
Do you think the fact that Matt Cash is our top scorer is the worst thing here, or the fact that Matt Cash spent that second half trying to fucking pull away in the top scoring charts? <laughs> that was fucking unbelievable. And I don't want to skip ahead to the whatever the opposite of the Glenn Whelan award is. But Matt Cash getting moved to left back is definitely the Tim Sherwood we play two number tens and bamboozled them award winner tonight, just so that we had a bit more control in that game. And a bit more manners were put in Matt Cash. Who the fuck did he think he was in that second half? Like, fair play for scoring two goals, mate. But fucking relax here. This whole team hasn't been... This was like watching Portugal playing against Luxembourg. And Cristiano Ronaldo has decided that the entire national football team of Portugal's job now is to create another goal for him. Fucking Matt Cash just running around spanking the ball whenever he wanted. What the fuck was that about? It's so good because Nick on Twitter pretty much word for word has said the same thing. He said, Jeez, that's a long tweet. <laughs> he said, Good tactical move by Emery, moving Cash to left back to stop and blasting shots at goal <laughs> in an attempt to get his hat trick. Uh, Emery did intervene there. You have to, like, do you remember I said to you, he's like, Is this just a, has this just happened that he's over on the left? And then we both realized, I think he's playing left. <laughs> it's the only way he went to. He went to four at the back. He's like, we have to get him out of wing back, but just to make sure, let's get him over to the left. <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, that was that was tempting fate a little bit there. Imagine Matty Cash galloping forward and cutting Undy's right foot. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> well, he wasn't there a bit of pressure for the top goal scorer charge because Musa Diaby also has two. The two of them are out in front in the Premier League goal scoring for Aston Villa. There's Leon Bailey, Douglas Louise, John McGinn, John Duran, all with one goal each. He did say our midfielders aren't chipping in with the percentages for goals. And I have to say, I do not like the look of this goal scoring charts without our main striker even registering yet. Is he just not going to score this season or what's what's the crack? It's like, but if you think about today, like this lad had more chances than our ma has had 60th birthdays. It was fucking mad. <laughs> he missed two shots from inside the six yard box. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. But do you know what? I, I know I'm, I'm crying a lot. And I know I cried a lot during the 5 0 Hibernian win midweek as well. <laughs> just just putting it out there that you are conscious that you're a whinging cunt. <laughs> But I am very happy, very happy with how this week has gone. Great result, great result today. I good some really good football. And we're going to leave WhatsApp winges, a shorter WhatsApp winges right there because we've got some awards to hand out after this. I've been letting you you what? think you think Harry Maguire is a bigger loss than Harry Kane? Yeah, I do. You lose Harry Maguire. That's a big problem for Gareth Southgate. His biggest problem? Yeah, I think it's his biggest problem. The situation got out of hand. I hope you understand. Are you mental? This is analysis that you have to pay to get. <laughs> That's bollocks on so many levels because, like, number one is Harry Maguire. Oh, God, I cannot believe that Harry Maguire has played six games this season and he's made the same mistake five times. Number two, the drop-off from Harry Maguire to Tyrone Mings is not what Gary fucking Neville thinks it is. And I remember we were saying, Harry Maguire. 
Gary Neville, for some reason, has disappeared up Gareth Southgate's arse. I think we've got the best manager we could possibly have for an international team. I just don't know why Gary Neville is persistent in trying to talk him into Franz Beckenbauer. He's a fucking siren calling England the shipwreck. I think with Harry Maguire injured, I think the ability to go to a back four is lost. He was by far the worst player on the pitch. He's uh, really shit. <laughs> Imagine Harry Maguire was missing. But it's absolutely unbelievable how whenever you play a ball to a fridge, you end up conceding the chance. The most blocks, most interceptions, most headers, most tackles. For Man United, he <laughs> had more blocks than Lindelof. Harry Maguire! He just cannot get the ball out of his feet. And I know he cost 80 million, so it must be difficult for people to, to make the link that he's actually shit, but just make that link. Harry Maguire. 50% of Gareth Southgate's preferred team started the Champions League final three weeks ago. We've collected more trophies in England than Harry Maguire has convictions in Greece. You would pick a team with Maguire and Calvert-Lewin rather than Mings and Harry fucking Kane. Uh, 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 apologies to the fans. Dude. <laughs> Let no emotion behind it. England's most important player is Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire! <laughs> that is just insane stuff. Grow up, Gary Neville. Let's start with the Ollie Walker, the, the Ronnie Rossenthal award. <laughs> uh, where do you want to start? Where, like, did there, should we just do all the walking chances first? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to get the pairs gone. <laughs> well, the first one, he probably got away with the offside, but my God, he didn't get away with it in my head. John McGinn to Ollie Watkins, and Ollie Watkins just makes a mess of it. Yeah, he didn't get away with it in your head. The ball fucking got away from him, though. Like, it was absolutely delicious from John McGinn, starting as he mean to go on. And then it's a terrible touch from Watkins. And then the pass, he tries to pass that back when he's, got his, when he's forced to have his back to goal. And he just rolls it to a Burnley centre half. Might have been Josh Collin. I don't know the ball quickly came back to Aston Villa, but the ref blew up for offside. But I'm sure if the ball came back to Aston Villa that quickly, it perhaps was. <laughs> there were two big ones as well. Like what one was a ball pulled across from Diaby to, to Watkins, and, and that was saved. And then Diaby obviously plays in the amazing one. Then from it's John McGinn that puts Diaby away on the left this time. And like Watkins isn't even looking for it really, and Diaby still picks him out. He just he's got so little to work with, and he finds Watkins in the six yard box, like you mentioned, and he gets saved. And I think the only other Watkins nomination, you might correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just the one that it, I don't even remember who played him through for this one, and he just doesn't get it out of his feet. He comes back. He, all he has to do is get that out of his feet and take a shot, but he comes back and he tries to tee up Diaby, 
who's not even like he's not even ready for a shot. He, he just passed the ball away to the Burnley defence. <laughs> no, he loves that one apparently. <laughs> but the the first one, like Diaby does so well to win it back as well. And this would have been an amazing goal. And he drives forward, Cash plays it, and it's a little bit a little bit under hit to Diaby, but the defenders, I think they're already this is really early on. Them, I think the defenders are already afraid of Diaby and afraid of his pass. And he essentially just let him get on to the ball, and he takes it to the byline, plays the right pass to him again, and then somehow the ball falls to Watkins, and he <laughs> seems to be a surprise as well. He just smashes it off Trafford. Yeah. The, the one from Diaby's pass, I mean, oh my god! John again had the ball. And we just both shouted out, "Play it!" Because sometimes all you have to do is push the ball in front yeah. of Diaby. He was about just, ten yards behind as well when it was starting. Yeah, and we could see it. Like yeah, he's got, he'll get there first. Just play that ball towards the corner flag. Let him figure it out after that. I mean, just let him get on the ball. That's the important bit. And what a fucking pass! And this is this is the reason to be excited about the Abbey. I was talking about him playing the ball around inside the box, like he was playing five aside last week. That pass to see the pass. Like everybody else is whipping that ball and play it on in front of the under the corridor of uncertainty. The Abbey just plays a forty-yard pass into Watkins's feet in the six-yard box from the fucking wing. Yeah. It's unbelievable. The only thing more unbelievable is the fact that Watkins misses it. <laughs> yeah, there was a part of me, and I know it was on his right foot, the one that the Abbey picked out Watkins when he came down the right initially. And I know he said it was a big chance, so this is really stupid. But a part of me did think, just shoot, just have a shot yourself, Musa. <laughs> well, yeah, like but he, I think we can now trust after four games, we can now trust that Musa is going to figure it out. Yeah. The uh, Lyle Foster had one as well. I mean, this is the one that Robin Olsen just found himself outside the box, and, and look at Dean was playing everyone outside, like onside, and Foster gets in behind Olsen. It's just I don't know what he's doing. It's just it, uh, all the forward has to do is take it around him, but he just touches it out of play. It was so bad. <laughs> like, this is the concern. It's like you're not going to be playing Everton and Burnley every week. Like, they, <laughs> gotten oh, away with it. <laughs> yeah, gotten away with letting a few people in in the last couple of games. It has to be said. Yeah, Dina playing everyone on side was pathetic. I mean, and then Olsen just invites us all to watch his ritual humiliation. Like he's turned, he's turned fucking turf more into a masochism dead. Like literally, literally spreads himself and asks Foster to whip him. He could easily Photoshop in chains to Olsen's hands there because it looks like he's being pulled apart in the way he likes to enjoy himself. And it's it's absolutely diabolical from Foster. I mean. Olsen wants to be the one who's humiliated there, but it's only Foster that comes off badly. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Dean played an amazing cross. It was sort of one of those ones where he's, he's kicked across it. So he hasn't whipped it. He hasn't really hit it outside of his boot. He's gotten his laces on it and he's pulled it back a little towards Matt Cash, who tries a left-footed volley. <laughs> and I think he catches it. I think he catches it. It just gets deflected wide. I don't think it's a... It's a Ronnie Rosenthal nomination, but I thought it was it was worth pointing out. Unfortunately, that did encourage Cash then because one of the one of the nominations is a was that the amazing Zaniolo nutmeg. Like talking about the Paul Merson, that was just filthy nominations. I mean, I think Diaby Kamara, like Diaby doing that little Cruyff turn nutmeg, Kamara doing the pirouette drag back and Zaniola's nutmeg they're all the nominations you can pick the winner but again this gets ruined because he goes to cash and he just has a, he just has a shot he's just shooting from what 25 yards out on the right wing basically 
yeah, he kind of clips off his little toe as well and kind of floats over the crossbar. The volley, I would have taken him off after as soon as he tried that. That's not for me. I want me right back arriving late in the box and trying to spank one with his left foot. Take it down. The defender's on you already as well. I mean, you say you think he caught it well. You've no idea. Like the ball travels about an inch and a half and then hits off the defender. And that's precisely <laughs> the reason why Cash shouldn't be shooting there. I think if Cash takes that down, he probably gets a fucking penalty. The defender's committed himself so much. Yeah. I would just, just so we can jump into that all our award, I would be giving it to Diaby. Yeah, no, it definitely would be as well. Zaniolo, I don't know. Well, he definitely could have scored. I think, I, I don't feel like he. He, he seems a bit left-footed here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this was a. I like what I saw. It was it was very promising debut, and he came on and one one of his first moves was to just brick, and then he's got a bit of pace about him. He's he's tall as well. He's got good feet, and he drives. But it's it's sort of two on one, and the defender has very like early on made the decision. I'm going to stay with Watkins and give him the space. But Zaniolo keeps going towards the two of them, like, like he he, he want, really wants to get onto his left foot, and I thought I thought initially he wants to play it to Watkins, but actually it wasn't in his head at all. And I think from a few other moves, in, like Bertrand Trory was free on the right hand side at one stage, and Zaniolo was just shooting anyway. I think, uh, you know, in hindsight, we've learned that maybe he wasn't going to be looking for Watkins at any stage. He just wanted to get that goal for himself and. He, he just his, his angle's weird in this sense. He ends up going for the near post end. Does he get blocked down or saved? But like he, he should have been driving more to his right a little bit and then playing that ball across as a defender came at him. Yeah, I think he seems a little bit left footed. Could be nominated for the James Milner understatement of the season <laughs> award. Like fuck me, <laughs> that this one was so strange. It was like the Burnley players wanted to give him a confidence boost. He just kept letting them run inside. Like he comes from the wing and ends up on the penalty spot without being tackled. It's fucking bizarre. And maybe they were afraid of trying of trying to nip the ball away because they thought they might clip his ankles. But he's about to shoot and he's on the penalty spot anyway give away the penalty yeah. and I think he actually does really well once he decides not to play the pass because he has sat the keeper down and he's given himself a lovely angle just to roll into the bottom corner he just hasn't paid attention to the fact that there are all our players on the pitch it's an off burning defender <laughs> Jay Rodriguez had two big chances from a Burnley point of view as well. I mean, my God. One of them again, Robin Olsen's just, just out in a... Just a position he shouldn't be in. Like he, he could be getting lobbed by a player who's blasting the ball 17 yards out. Like he, he can't be getting lobbed by somebody who's not trying to lob you. <laughs> like it looks like you could shoot down the middle and, and get it in under the crossbar and you'll score. <laughs> Yeah, and Matt Cash in the lead up to this is playing everyone on side, which is astonishing. I don't think I've ever seen Matt Cash daydreaming at the back post. <laughs> and then Diego Carlos, though, you know, appears to have settled in remarkably quickly. I mean, I like a player who has done his homework. And maybe it was Unai Emery's analyst. Either way, someone knows what they're doing. If Jay Rodriguez has the ball at the edge of the box, let him have it and let him try to score. <laughs> And but like he'd want to be very kind to describe Olsen's movement as a fucking dive. He's just fallen to the ground, outstretched. Yeah, yeah. Any any beaten Ollie Watkins from the Diaby pass from the left hand side? No, absolutely not. There was another Jay Rodriguez one as well. 
though that's where he gets a header in the middle of the box mm. and like Olsen is so far behind him it looks like he couldn't see him like he didn't he didn't think the cross could be intercepted or something I mean I think if that cross was blocked at source you know Dina blocked the cross Olsen still would have come flying across the six yard box or flying still would have come stumbling <laughs> across the six yard box it's ridiculous yeah and look I know we shouldn't be comparing everybody to Olsen because he's not our keeper but he is a keeper like that's the reality he's a keeper he's playing today a Premier League game and he could play more games this season he definitely will and that, that's where we've left ourselves in terms of a, a transfer strategy but I was watching the Liverpool match and I don't know if you saw Almiron's half volley was it I think it was a volley and he, he caught it well and Allison tips it off the underside of the crossbar like it's just a vicious strike in the way Allison gets there and hits it off the crossbar. It's it's going things are happening very fast. Bounces down off the line, and as it as it's bounced maybe like half a meter off the line, like this is happening very fast. Allison just it's just looking at the ball the whole time, having made the first save, diving across, just gives it a little nick to make sure it doesn't bounce back into the net. He's just, he's just very aware of what's happening. He's very able to move his body. And that's a big difference to Aston Villa's goalkeeper. God, are you comparing Alisson to Robert Olsen? This is why it's started. The fuck are you doing? Would you rather have a fucking Snickers or a shit from the toilet that's still got some undigested peanuts on it? <laughs> and this is why I'm saying shouldn't do that because we all know, but... We have to accept this is our keeper, so maybe we should be highlighting this every time it happens. This is what's happening up the road when Liverpool are playing Newcastle. <laughs> and and like, listen to how you're talking about Olsen dealing with a chance or trying to deal with a chance. It's crazy. It is crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And I don't think there was very many Villa fans that were, weren't surprised that we didn't look for a goalkeeper. Maybe, th- maybe today's game will, will give Unai a little bit more pause for thought because... Perhaps he isn't an absolute disaster in training, but every time he plays, and, and maybe there's a bit of bias there, maybe there's a lot of confirmation bias there, but I know that Robin Olsen can't move appropriately for a professional footballer. <laughs> I've got I got three nominations for the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. You might let me know if, if there's any left out. John McGinn early on was just sort of sleeping dead to the box, not aware someone was coming in behind him, and then when he did realise... Instead of moving, he tried to use his arse to salvage the situation. <laughs> the player just ran around him and got onto the ball at the edge of our box. Look at Dean. When we're under pressure, when it was 2-1, when we need to get our foot on the ball, tries to play a pass back to Torres with his right foot, hits it out for a throw-in. I mean, if I was doing a WhatsApp deep dive on, on weak wages fines, <laughs> <laughs> this guy would be all over for that, but I'm feeling good, so I'm not doing any fines this week, but yeah, that, that that got the crowd going. They were going mental already at that stage. And then our left back trying to play at their centre back, hitting it out for a throw in. My God, we didn't need that at that stage. And then you have Robin Olsen and Kamara conspiring. I, I, who, who was worse here? Like, whoa. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't even know what was really completely wrong with that Olsen pass, but it was just all wrong. <laughs> like, the, the timing of the decision they played is wrong. The way he passes it, it's just a scuttery ball across the ground. It looks like every time Olsen tries to play a pass like that to our midfielder, it's always just, it's always off a little bit. Somebody always has to adjust to try and get it. He never does, wraps it into their feet. And then Kamara does get control of it. And, and, and then what he proceeds to do is just strange. I don't even know what he's trying to do either. It's like he's 
is doing the Kanza against Isaac against Newcastle. Only he's, he is keeping the ball. He's dragging the ball with him, but he's dragging it into danger. Yeah, like the McGinn one. I mean, if you're going to be doing that, then move your arse as well. Work that arse. You can't just be hanging around in the box with your arse hanging out, hoping <laughs> someone picks it up. For one thing, it's two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Put your arse away, maybe. But the fucking <laughs> Olsen, the Kamara and Olsen one. I mean, why is Kamara giving it to Olsen? I mean, in any other circumstance, like he said, he is our goalkeeper, but you can't just give him that. I mean, this is the old thing. Should you do the right thing to the wrong person? This is a struggle that we all have. You know, can you play a pass, thread a ball through to somebody, you know, who can't control it? Or should you just recycle a ball and wait for somebody better to be in a position? Should you roll a ball innocently back to your goalkeeper? Or should you realize it's Robin Olsen? (laughs) And you're asking... What is Robin Olsen doing playing? Robin Olsen isn't playing that to Kamara, Conan. That's the worst thing about it. That's the most accurate pass Robin Olsen has ever played, but he's trying to lump that up the field. That's why it's gone scuttering into Kamara's feet. That's why it's gone drilled in, bobbling and scuttering into Kamara's feet, because he's not fucking playing it there. And Kamara then as well, it's probably worse. Kamara tries to do a little, you know, that little D around someone, knock it past him, then loop around him and collect it on the other side. But he's forgot to fucking run. He's just rolled the ball past the player and then stood and watched him go and collect it. Fucking mental. So who wins it? Is it Kamara? Does Kamara win it this week? Sorry, are you leaving? Are you leaving the the Torres and Olsen one oh, to the side? Fucking Torres and Olsen being too polite to each other to go get the ball. And I thought, I thought this was definitely Torres' fault because he's waited for Olsen to come out and then he's decided to hook it over his head. You see the replay? Olsen's coming sliding across the ground. Like, no wonder fucking Torres has kicked it. He's probably trying to kick Olsen in the fucking face to snap a bit of sense into him. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's another one where the ball's rolling to the edge of the box. And Robin Olsen, Robin Olsen waits. He waits about five seconds before deciding to go get it and the ball's nearly out of the fucking box. And then I realised maybe he needed a few fucking seconds to stretch before he could bend down to pick up the ball. And that's why he's not gone waddling out to get it beforehand. <laughs> it's mad to think we have a long way down after defeats as well. I mean, this is how <laughs> we're reacting after a 3 <laughs> <laughs> A lot more room. A lot more room in this. What what do you what do you send the winner then? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of Robin Olsen nominations in there as well. But does anybody beat Kamara? Not signing a goalkeeper in the summer is the winner. <laughs> Peter Eichmann, what the fuck award? It goes to Monchi, not signing a <laughs> The Tim Sherwood, we played two number tens and bamboozled them award. We already mentioned moving Matt Cash to left back. Great decision. <laughs> I've already talked about John McGinn turning inside, but all the midfielders are doing this, and I don't mean turning inside, I mean turning away from the obvious pass. I feel like Villa are very aware that teams will be happy for you to take the ball, turn around, and play it on out to the the next player coming down the wing. But they they, they often, like, they're obviously told, they're all brave enough, and it's mostly Douglas Louise McGinn and Kimaras who you obviously want doing it as well, especially their positions on the pitch. <laughs> they're turning back in and they're making defenders think twice and they're shifting people and they're and then they're freeing up somebody else and, and they're bringing more players into the game. It's just, it's just such nice body movements from all of them. It's like, it just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's always nice when you see, you see a player turn down 
the obvious pass, and I don't mean you know, who will complain on another podcast, <laughs> but I mean when that obvious pass isn't going to like, really directly impact an attack. Ah, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, and the players ha- have figured it out. Now, our midfielders are so good on the ball at carrying it and at just pinging it around. I mean, these lads can play one-touch football but better than anybody as well. But their their ball carrying is absolutely ridiculous. Their passing is absolutely incredible. And that's what was so good to watch last year. Sure, it was just lads turning on the ball inside the midfielder and then playing a straight ball through the middle to one of the other midfielders who's just going to carry it for 40 yards if they want because they've just opened up the space. They're absolutely incredible to watch. And we and this the best thing about this is now we can be confident in knowing that we are going to blow away teams that are worse than us. When has that ever happened with Aston Villa? Jeez. When have you ever been an Aston Villa fan and thought we'll beat this team? Like yeah, it's Burnley, Grant, we'll beat them. Like you know th- th- that has never ever. Normally we go into a game going, oh Jesus, what's Dice you going to pull out of this one? Yeah. Fucking nothing. <laughs> well, it was doing it in this game as well. I just have a recording of it there, worrying about Ashley Barnes and Chris. <laughs> But you're right. The only other nomination I have it's feeds into the same guy, you and I, Emery, and obviously this is the the award category, the, the Tim Sherwood award category. So the manager is going to get a lot of praise in this section. The <laughs> the three five two switch to the three five two. Um, we did it a couple of times in the last few games, and I, I think I was always aware. I know I complained about it against Newcastle. I thought it was a bit strange when we were chasing the match, but I think. You know, it's, it's very clear that they're trying to be a bit more flexible tactically in their setup. They're trying to give themselves more options. And then when you see that they're coming up against a team away from home who are playing 3-4-3, three, three, basically, they want to set up with a 3-5-2 then. And they can switch into a 3-4-3 three, three, and they can mix it around. But that, like, that's what they did. And they went out and they executed that brilliantly. And maybe as well, it also helps them not be caught with a high line you know, because they have three players back. And it's not even just the Villa playing... It's not even just the Villa playing five defenders. And like we know Matt Cash and Lucadino going up the pitch, but I was looking at some of the stats. You can see on who scored the percentage of possession that each of your players have. And initially, I, I was going to complain about this. I was like, you know, Diego Carlos at 6.4% of the ball for Aston Villa. I was watching him for 6.4% of the time on the ball. And then I looked at the Burnley defence. Dar O'Shea had 10%. And the entire Burnley back four and the goalkeeper, every one of them had more of the ball than Diego Carlos. They were just standing on the ball for 35, over 35% of the time. The Burnley back five were doing that. The Villa back six or whatever you want to call it, their, their five defenders and goalkeeper weren't even anywhere near that combined. They were they were getting the ball and they were moving with it. And this is like, again, this probably the nature of this award category but it often just expands in but it all starts with a 3-5-2 absolutely we absolutely swallowed them up and one thing you didn't even mention there was the fact that switching to a 3-5-2 and pushing Matt Cash further forward he scored two goals <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah Dar O'Shea standing on the ball I mean he's he plays for Ireland as well I mean he looks up and he sees Josh Cole and he's probably not going to be as eager to play that ball into midfield <laughs> but we, we did we swallowed them up there was nowhere for them to go there was no breath for them to have we were controlling the game we, we were, there were stages in the first half where we were controlling the game at the edge of their box we were passing around they couldn't get out they couldn't get out at us and the shape of the team was absolutely integral to that and we always seem to have a free man whenever we want to one 
Yeah. Let's go to the Vimin meter. I'm going to start with the going downs because, yeah, I just want to get them out of the way. <laughs> Ollie Watkins is costing me eight million in my fantasy football team. Oh, heaven for fans! <laughs> it's just a big investment. Now he's got an assist in every single game. I don't want to pull the trigger. Surely he's going to score at some stage now, but fantasy football-wise and football-wise, Ollie Watkins <laughs> needs to start scoring goals. Yeah, he definitely needs to start scoring goals for one of those reasons. And <laughs> like, like, today, like, yeah, he's got three assists, and that that is really good output. And his movements, obviously, really good. But it's the classic thing. I mean, with three seasons now, you're saying this, people are going to dislike Ollie Watkins because he misses so many big chances. But like I've said before on this, whatever, whenever Ray Houghton was taken off, and he said to Jack Turner, "What the hell are you doing, taking me off?" I'm the only one getting any chances. Jack Turton correct him. Said you're the only one missing any chances. <laughs> and Ollie Watkins feels like that at the minute. Like he's he's obviously doing an incredible incredible work to get into these positions, and he's controlling the game up front for us a lot of the time. They, they dropped the ball off so many times today as well. Not even yeah. using his pillow head, using his feet. It was absolutely ridiculous. Tutu just dropped into him. He dropped it off, and he spins and goes he's so quick, so strong, moves around so well. But whenever he's in the six-yard box and he's got the keeper to beat, he needs to fucking score at least one of the three times he had that. <laughs> That's fair. The next nomination, the only one going down on the Vima meter alongside Ollie Watkins, I think. And I want to approach this one with a bit more caution because we've been burned by Alex Moreno in the past. This guy looked very worrying when he first appeared in Aston Village years ago. Turns out he's absolutely brilliant. So, Pau Torres, but... Uh, I'm going to pick out one very specific example outside of the goal, which wasn't great either, but Anduni gets the ball at one stage, leads the box, and he just skips around, Pau Torres, he just skips around him and blasts the ball over the bar. Like, it was far too easy, and uh, I don't like to see that. I'm sure he's good on the ball. Like, we've seen bits of it, and I'm sure he's good, but, like, we need to see a bit more, we need to see a bit more, I don't know, don't want to say, I want a better word, but a bit more pride defensively. Let's start with that. And I, I really don't want this to turn into, this is the Barclays now, kid. This is the Barclays Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not La Liga anymore. But, you know, we do need a bit more sort of, let, let's start with the defence and we'll build from there. Yeah, but like sometimes whenever a defender's running at him, he seems like he's got to build the Barclays himself because he's fucking sweating, apparently. He doesn't know how, he doesn't know how to... How to react to somebody running at him? He gets the ball knocked around him too easily. Sometimes he doesn't follow one. He doesn't follow one twos. Like that's 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 not good enough. And he definitely wasn't good enough on the goal either. He has looked really good on the ball, and you could see why why Emery wanted him definitely from that perspective. But Jesus Christ, you would be a little bit worried about his defending so far. Yeah, going up McGinn and Diaby, two of the best players in the league, <laughs> going up. No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Go on up, Douglas Louise. <laughs> uh, Douglas Louise is really good. Yeah, Douglas Louise is consistently, consistently brilliant for Aston Villa. Yeah, he's probably not going up considering how good he has been. Going up, Matt Cash by a distance. Jesus Christ, he couldn't go up any further, could he? I mean, I think it was only it was only Thursday, Conan, where I said Matt Cash needs to grow into the season, as you were referring to him as agricultural cash. But fucking hell, someone was pouring tomato feed on him this weekend. <laughs> Going up, 
Villa's FFP ranking. I mean, getting rid of these academy players is really turning out to be such a gem for Aston Villa. <laughs> getting rid, getting a lot of money for them. Cameron Archer has gone to Sheffield United, and Aaron Ramsey has gone to Burnley. Came on there, and now that Aaron Ramsey's not an Aston Villa player, we can give him the treatment. This guy <laughs> got five touches of the ball. <laughs> he only got twenty-two minutes. He got five touches of the ball. Four successful passes, 80% pass completion rate, no tackles, no dribbles, no aerial duels. I don't think it was a very, very flattering debut for Aaron Ramsey. No, he's definitely nominated for the Ashley Westwood Oh, he was playing award. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm surprised he said five. I, I didn't, I don't remember him touching the ball at all. Neither did I, neither did I. Um, welcome to the other side of the Villa podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it works out well for you. <laughs> Going up. Dean Smith, three weeks without a job. <laughs> really good to see him not just jumping into the first one, isn't it? <laughs> what a relief that is, yeah, Jesus Christ. I was like, people, people often learn from their mistakes, but Dean Smith didn't look like he was ever going down that route, did he? He was just constantly doing the same thing over and over again. It's like, Dean, stop, fuck. What are you doing? Like, you're better than this. Stop picking these absolute no-hopers. <laughs> Let's find out. Anybody else in particular you want to go up? No, I think you've, you've nominated them all there. There was one moment where Bertrand Trory was fucking defending at the back post, which was an absolutely yeah. ridiculous sight to see. I mean, you might nominate that for the Glenn Whelan Award, to be honest. How is that fucking situation transpired? <laughs> but also, I think you have to put Bertie T up on the Vimin meter for that, to see him jumping in, getting beaten, but jumping in yeah. with his back against the player was a sight to behold. That was good. Switched on Bertie T. And like, remember, he threw on Bertie T there ahead of Bailey. It was a big vote of confidence as well because it didn't seem like he was going to feature much this year. And there he is coming on in a game that we needed him. And there he is switched on right right the whole way to the back post. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is this the greatest headline of all time? Talk sport. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jason Tindall delights Newcastle fans by shushing Jurgen Klopp after Van Dyke read. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if anybody's missed this, but um, Newcastle at one stage were beating Liverpool and then Van Dyke gets sent off. Van Dyke is missing for the Aston Villa game. Gomez ball is coming in. Diaby might have a field day. Let's see. Let's see. I'm looking forward to it. That's all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, Jason Tindall. Well, cop was given out to the fourth official, and Jason Tindall had the finger up to the lips telling him to shush. Fans loved it. They were all sharing it. Newcastle were ahead at this stage. And then Liverpool ended up winning the game and clapped it, clapped it back to Jason Tindall, which is pretty good. Like, this is a problem now. Like, Eddie Hoyke can no longer be. We can't absolve him from this, and we can't just say, "Oh, that that's a guy you know that he works with." Like that that that's that's the manager that he's second in command. To. Like this guy is, this guy's a liability. Really, that more and more stuff like this is going to happen. It already has happened. I know that he's on everybody's radar. Like they're all going to be looking for it. It looks terrible. And like to be honest, I used to think Eddie Howe was the the, the deep thinker, the sensible one. And maybe maybe he needed a bit of a bit of the dog beside him. Is he called the dog? Is that is that his nickname? Mad Dog. I think it is Mad Dog. But um, is maybe maybe he needed Mad Dog beside him. But like, Eddie Howe's best friends with this fella. 
hires him everywhere he goes. He's doing this over and over. He's making a fool of himself. Like that, that reflects on Newcastle now. Not, not new, I'm sure they don't care. It reflects on the coaching team. And like this this is this is gonna continue happening. And, and anyhow, I'm I'm really starting to wonder about him now because this guy's appeared on Jack Humphrey's high performance podcast. <laughs> giving him an hour of his time to sit and talk about his methods. This guy's letting cameras into his changing room just to hear speeches that he's given. I don't know. I'm starting to wonder does he have a bit of the mad dog in him too? I think Anyhow, it definitely needs to be brought into question. I mean, I'd rather have a fucking root canal done by a blind dentist during an earthquake than spend any time with Jason Tindall, never mind <laughs> choosing to fucking give him money to hang out with you as well. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, you don't need to be a fucking Sophocles scholar to know that this lad is a motherfucker. I mean, Christ <laughs> almighty. I mean, like, and speaking of that, we might need another fucking camera angle as well because... He mightn't have been putting his finger up to do this shush. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. This lad was just sucking his thumb. He's a fucking child. And I'm so glad to see Klopp just bend him over and spank him on the arse. But why are we talking about Jason Tindall and Jurgen Klopp in the same fucking sentence? This is like this is like the time this is like the time Floyd Mayweather was fighting Conor McGregor. They shouldn't be in the same fucking ring together. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, and Jurgen Klopp all fighting Jason Tindall, but that's another story. This is like the time I mentioned Allison and Robin Olsen in the same conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Only other question we can't answer, but probably will. Are you surprised that A, Mike Dean, and B, Premier League referees? <laughs> Mr. Mike Dean, again, if anybody missed this news, came out. And, and and I was going to say he admitted what we all knew, right? But did we really know? Did we just assume that, not, not even did we assume, did we just say this is what we thought happened? And maybe a part of us thought, this definitely wouldn't happen. We all said that the referees are just looking out for their mates. We all said the, the VAR officials, whoever was in the office at Stockley Park, were being too kind. They didn't want to upset each other. There were politics. Probably knew there was definitely a bit of lack going on, but we didn't know what would be spoken above the surface. And then Mike Dean, Mike Dean was in charge of this whole operation, don't forget as well. He's a face of refereeing as well for, for a decade. And he said during a Chelsea game that he, he said he deliberately didn't tell Anthony Taylor to come over to the screen to look at a decision that should have been looked at. I think it was Cucurella's hair being pulled, is that right? <laughs> and he, he said... He said, he's not just a referee, he's my mate, and I wanted to avoid him getting any more grief because he'd already given the managers a yellow card. Didn't want him to go into that cauldron over at a TV screen to watch a decision that all he has to do is do the right thing for. He's walked past a fucking fire school or a fucking primary school on fire and decided not to call the fire brigade because he, because he didn't want to get the fire brigade and the trouble. Doesn't make any sense, Mike. What are you talking about? Like this, the, get, tell him what he's doing. Like he's gonna get into more trouble. Someone's pulled Kukurea's hair. This isn't gonna be a difficult decision. Show him that picture, and he's gonna send them off. And anybody else who sees it isn't going to complain. Nobody, not even Jason Tindall, would find something to complain about here, Conan. That's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it's insane, and that—that's like it, for me. It was sort of affirmation that this is the sort of carry on that's going on inside these lads' heads. It doesn't bode well. Again, I think every time we see terrible refereeing decisions, and we've seen loads already after three game weeks, but you often make the point, this is the top 
of the top sport in the world? Come on. Can we, can we get somebody better? Can, not even can we get somebody better. Can we get someone who will just say, have a look at this. And, and, <laughs> have a look at this violent conduct. That's all I'm asking for. That's but all like the, I'm asking for. But this is, like, this is the other Whenever a decision like this doesn't get made, people say, and then people say, why don't we hear what the referees are saying to each other? And they say, and people say, we don't, we we can't we couldn't hear that because it's because of the corruption. It's not the corruption. It's the fucking incompetence. It's the pathetic nature of the referees. That's why we don't have it. And we absolutely have to start broadcasting these conversations because that will Jesus. If anything's going to soften their cough, it's that. It's having to it's having to justify not sending a referee over to the monitor because somebody's pulled somebody's hair. Like fucking, like he, it wasn't. It wasn't even like he. It was a fuck. He grabbed it. He might as well have grabbed the back of his head and pulled him to the ground. <laughs> yeah, and 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 like you're saying about broadcasting the conversations. Unfortunately, we're they're not they're not having conversations as well. It's Mike Dean's head. Mike Mike Dean is thinking second guessing. How can I protect my mate from this? The best way to protect him would be for to help Anthony Taylor make the most right decisions as possible. But instead, he's let another gaff go then because he hasn't even bothered communicating with him. It's it's crazy stuff. And, and honestly, not to not to sound like I've got a tinfoil hat on, but <laughs> but th- th- this is almost validation as well for the big six conspiracy theorists because by the same token, he wants to protect his mate from going over where he's already booked two managers and he knows this might be a difficult situation if one of them says something. We, we all know it's way easier to just look after the status quo. It's way easier. If, if you're if you're denying United points when they're going United's bad example. If you're denying <laughs> Man City or Liverpool or, or Arsenal points when they're going for a league title, like that really has an impact. That's going to be scrutinized every last second. Look what happened when Arsenal... Arsenal took 29 seconds to take a throw-in and somebody get a yellow card for it. The people didn't shut up about it for three three days. Gary Neville was on Monday Night Football and he asked every single person who came on for an interview, he asked them about these new rules as if it was, it was, if it was some mad thing that it, that it did. But that's what happens when, when an Arsenal player gets a yellow card in a game that they won. They beat Crystal Palace in that match. So the, this, uh, the, this mentality that Mike Dean has shown with his mate, Anthony Taylor, will absolutely foster in, in, in anybody playing against a big six team. Yeah, it's, it's clearly a big big club bias because it was uh, it was Christian Romero of Lowly Spurs who did it against Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to leave that there. Thanks a million, Liam. Thanks a million to Aston Villa for another brilliant performance. And we're up and running, but we also have another podcast now midweek against Hibernian, they've beaten him 5-0 already, so it's going to be it's going to be very heavily dependent on audience engagement, let's just say, for Thursday Night's Podcast. <laughs> get onto the Instagram page and we'll put up a question box there and you can get your questions in and we'll have a bit of fun with those. Uh, it's on the Villa Podcast Show. If you're not following us on Twitter, get us on the Villa Podcast and subscribe wherever you're listening and get in touch as well, whatever, whatever you think of the show. Only good, really. Don't really want the bad. Let's do <laughs> And we'll leave that there. Thanks a million for listening, and we'll talk soon. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.